1: Yo, what up how's it going it's your boy heath and i'm doing this intro so listen up or you can skip it and you can find out what it's about yourself but if you haven't skipped it today the dudes are talking to brian and amira weller about growing up abroad as the offspring of missionaries listen up enjoy man i love
2: the fade to gray podcast and tonight or today or this afternoon whenever you're listening uh we're going to be interviewing two of my cousins brian and amira weller are uh we are related by our moms uh my mom is their mom's sister and so that's our connection
3: yeah
2: i've known them a very long time (laughs) <laughs> i'm the oldest cousin on that side of the family and so i reserve the right to pick on all of my younger cousins which means everybody
4: yeah but and I'm brian gives so me win.
5: <laughs> so you'll be extra bossy this episode is what you're saying then babe right that's
3: exactly yeah, what basically.
2: you're saying <laughs> brian pushes back pretty hard though so i think we'll be all right <laughs>
3: <laughs> gotta stand your ground
2: you always did <laughs>
3: true that, true that. preach I get that from my mother
2: <laughs> we get it from our mothers
5: <laughs> yeah that's true and and both with both your mothers then grew up overseas then is that the, is that the story because that's what we're talking about today I guess is the missionary life and and, uh, what it was like you know, either, I don't know if you're born there. You, I mean, it's your story you tell us and growing up there. And, and then now, um, you know, looking back, what do you, what do you think? You know, what, what do you think then your, some of your experiences and now when you reflect like back now, what do you think?
0: So,
4: <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> my grandmother was born in Africa. My mother was born in Africa and we both, of um, Brian was born in Africa as well. Yep. So we <clears throat> been around africa for a little while do
0: you guys have dual citizenship no no
5: (laughs) africa's a big place what 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 area of africa region
3: amira and i we were in ethiopia i was born in egypt nice on the continent most people call it middle east but uh yeah Uh, we
4: yeah we were in the horn of africa um and brian went to school in kenya and i went to school in south africa so we've been like sort of east and south.
5: Yeah. Wow. wow. What was that like?
3: Go for it, Mary. You start.
4: <laughs> so what was that like? What, growing up in Africa or going to school? Because for me, it was just good that I got through any of it.
5: <laughs> well, let's just talk about the school thing for now. I know, I know that uh, we all have very different school backgrounds. I mean, I'm just, just traditional public school, and you know, Elizabeth you know, was – homeschooled the whole time. And I know you guys have a whole mixture of, of schooling and Chris is a te- Chris is a teacher. And so that's kind of where we, we all lie on that. So we can talk about that for a minute. Talk about your experience. Tell us what it was like. Because um, um, if you were what, in charter school the whole time, what would you call that? Boarding school?
4: Boarding school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. We started out homeschoolers. Then we went to boarding oh. school, Christian boarding school. Um, is what Brian and I both did together, and then
2: <laughs> I didn't want
4: to live anymore. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow! Uh, I quit. <laughs> I
4: quit. I quit school. Yeah. I quit. How
0: long were you? How long were you in charter school or border uh, school? Boarding
4: school? Boarding school. That was my. For me, it was uh, seventh grade. Thirteen years old. It's not a good year for anybody.
0: That's a tough um, year. <laughs> and
4: yeah. Brian was in ninth grade, uh, yep. and then Brian actually went to public school in the states for a year while we were there i did nothing because it was homeschooling um and then we went back to ethiopia he went to boarding school in kenya and then right. i eventually went to a german school and then a south african boarding school
0: made why it so far away what why did he go to kenya and you went to south africa
4: i didn't want to go to any more christian schools <laughs> uh,
0: <okay. laughs> yeah
4: they wouldn't allow me any anyways, but yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: you were looking for Muslim schools, right? Um, really. Actually,
4: no, I didn't look for that. I went to Harry Potter's sister school, which was good. Uh what is
0: that, dermstring?
4: No, Kingswood College. Um oh, okay. <laughs> the, it's a really old, I don't know, people in my class were there, like seven, eight generations kind of thing, and I get my walk into the school they set you up with a little um trunk full of your uniform you go to the store pick everything out walk out of the store by the time you get to your dorm room the trunk is there so yeah just appears
0: that's pretty crazy it is a lot like of Potter. wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should have had you on for the halloween episode yeah for sure <laughs> So, okay. So you're in South Africa and you're at this boarding school, right? So like what, what are the classes like? You're, you're living there. So what is that like?
4: Well, um, I was, I, I had to learn English first. Uh, South Africans are hard to understand sometimes. Um, wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute. What language did you speak before that?
4: No, I was, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm being I was, sarcastic. I was, I, was, I, I learned
0: that. Afrikaans. English
4: yeah, they have an. They had Afrikaans in the school, but it was an English school. Okay. Um, yeah, I we grew up speaking English at home, so American English was my my background basically. Um, I went to South Africa basically just to finish school. That was my goal. Like, whatever you do, just get through it. Um, and. That, so, and that was my choice. I had so we actually have um relatives that are South African that live in South Africa, so for me, it was a logical choice to go down there and still have like a connection to family,
0: okay, that makes sense,
4: yeah, that gotcha. was a big reason for my choice there
0: and so let me ask you this: why the aversion to Christian schools? <laughs> uh,
4: well, I can be cynical all day long, but um I think the I mean, in, what was it, 2000, um, when we, when I was going through it, there, the school that I actually went to has a big push to make um, any of those missionary kids into future missionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, like, that is kind of their, that's where they're leading their kids towards, basically. Um, And so I just, I really had a hard time with authority. I had a really hard time with learning Bible lessons in um, PE. I didn't think that made sense and I didn't do it. Um, And
0: um,
4: I just, I really struggled with authority because it just didn't come in a way that was loving and caring and actually met my needs and, and like my sense of justice towards other people. Um, I mean, I had, I struggled a lot because I watched other people go through things I never went through. So it was my, sense
3: of it was, it was legalistic it was frustrating
0: so so you're saying that even in south africa or kenya or ethiopia wherever you're at they still had like a fundamentalist attitude in some of those christian churches uh christian schools
4: when i was in south africa i went to a school that they did chapel but they weren't actually nearly quite so um religious they were they were so sports orientated they would have worshipped your sports uniform more than anything that happened in chapel and so that was a relief to me um because you did that you do the requirements but they didn't ask you to go beyond going to chapel and what was it like wednesdays and sundays it was wow, more difficult to keep up with the uniform requirements <laughs> but uh yeah so if, for me going to the south african school was a huge relief it was it was a uh, um way for me to get my independence back. Um, I'm a hugely independent person and being in seventh grade, figuring out who you are and having a bunch of adults tell you you're doing it wrong, whatever you're doing, you're doing it wrong. is just, is very painful. So I, you know, I, I checked out for a little bit and when my parents got me back to earth, I, uh, I ended up going to the boarding school in South Africa by my own choice. I chose it um, and finished up.
0: And so how, were, how old were you whenever you went to the boarding school?
4: Uh, I was uh, about 16. And what happened in South Africa was um, what we went from Ethiopia, which is the northern hemisphere, to the southern hemisphere where they do school differently. So I ended up being pulled back, uh, another half of a year. Um, so I, I didn't graduate uh, until I was 19 and then I turned 20 like the next month.
0: <laughs> wow.
4: Yeah. But I made it to adulthood and I'm
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get the, uh, job. <laughs> uh, Oh yeah. Did you ever get that, uh, spirit of uh, rebelliousness rebuked out of you? Cause no. what I'm hearing so far is that you're really, really rebellious. You're anti-God your uh you know you're railing against your uh, Christian upbringing you hate missionaries what's going on
4: well that that that's probably a little bit brutal what was actually going on was um <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> i I, um, I didn't I never hated God I just didn't know where he was I couldn't figure that out and um you know I really respected what my parents did i I was always told that what they were doing was really good and I mean, you can't really argue with that when the whole goal is your parents are ultimately trying to help a culture, a country, a, you know, economy, a a lifestyle, you know, and I don't know if they went about everything the right way, but I, I certainly know that like when I was with them, I, I believed in what they were doing. So being in boarding school, however, was more of a push towards my own identity and how do I respond to God. Um, and I just, I just couldn't connect by memorizing Bible verses. In fact, that's not just a personality thing that, well, it is a personality thing because I really struggle with memorizing and the school that I went to didn't care um, they just knew what was right and I wasn't doing it right so I pushed against like my capabilities versus what they they told me which was I wasn't good enough which is not what God told me essentially so it was trying to balance that out and and you know you're just fighting with authorities that are trying to please them and they're actually you know I uh, granted i I'm now 30 and I realized that half of my teachers at the time when I was 13 was 25 and bunch of 25 year olds teaching anybody is a bunch of mess yeah you know, i mean you know like i was 25 a little while ago and i was like holy crap
0: like, no i don't anymore. know
4: anything yeah sorry i know you're a teacher and i shouldn't have pushed that button but um, no I,
0: I wasn't a teacher until i was 28 years old so i right, know yeah. i agree i agree you, you don't know anything at 25
4: you know and and yeah. that's what they did they knew everything And I just, I couldn't condone, um, and most people in America won't, but this is something you can get away in Africa with is, um, just basic child abuse, um, that, you know, I mean, like, I just, I don't know, it's going to be great, but like some of the kids' punishment was either to pick up acorns for their break over and over and over and over again, go outside, pick up acorns, fill up a bucket, dump it out, go to it again, um. You know, like we had that we had people carrying desks around fields because they didn't do something. And I just couldn't get over that. I was like, that is not right. Um, you know, like I had I had a teacher duct, duct tape one of the students mouth closed because they wouldn't be quiet. I just like that doesn't fly here in the States.
5: No. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you just had a very strong sense of justice, and are like too smart for your own good. You know, yeah. couldn't keep your mouth sh- couldn't keep your mouth shut. <laughs>
4: yeah, and that was I, it. It did get me in trouble. Like you know, if I didn't want to, I wouldn't, and that doesn't go very far with people who are making you do stuff. So.
0: Yeah, We're a very big case of Western privilege. Oh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yeah, it <laughs> was a really Sorry. bad
4: joke. <laughs>
5: that Chris is great with the bad jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back, Chris. We missed you yesterday. Sorry.
0: <laughs> so Brian, yes. uh, what was your experience like up in Kenya? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my
3: personality, I, a lot of it has to do with personality because I'm surprisingly Elizabeth pretty passive. I let things, uh, bounce off my shoulder a little bit and I say, you know what, whatever. <laughs> so, I saw the things my sister was going through at, at Bingham, which was the first boarding school we went, We both went to.
4: Yeah, we were together. And it made me angry.
3: Yeah, it made me angry. But I'm like, whatever, they're idiots. They can believe whatever they want to believe, and I'll just do my thing. You know, cause I, I didn't like getting in trouble, so I didn't like fighting against authority, per se, especially that age, ninth grade. But I had, I, once again, like Amira said, there was lots of things that, teachers did you're like seriously you call yourselves christians and you're doing this it's complete opposite of what you're supposed to be doing and some of that you blame on the on the organization for you know oh i'm I'm there to be a missionary i'm supposed to be an authority i'm a teacher you know you get these mindsets of of who you're supposed to be and you you play into that instead of just being a christian and loving people you know you forget your whole purpose and uh -hmm. so so boarding school, I I had fun. I, I'm I'm a people person. I, I'll talk to you all day long, but uh, yeah. So boarding school for me was a lot of fun, and I got to be away from my parents. So, <laughs> uh, you know, ninth grade. So in, in a sense, you, you're going to college for high school. Yeah. You're in a dorm setting, whatever. You 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 get told a whole bunch of rules, unlike college, and you find ways to break them. So. And the fun part was not getting caught. It was, you know, it gives you a thrill.
0: I think I would have loved boarding school, man. That sounds like a blast.
3: <laughs> it was for, once again for me. It was absolutely fun. There was we got into all kinds of trouble, and mostly didn't get caught. So you know.
2: And the
4: thing about these Christian boarding schools, sorry, sorry to interrupt, I um, is that they've been going for generations. So they were they are generations of. Things that right. people think are normal happening, and now in the 2018, like it just won't fly. But it actually wasn't that bad. People thought that they were doing the right thing. You know, you grew up in the 80s, and you think, oh, that was fine to lead your kids outside by yourself. Now we're like, oh, I got to look at them every 24 seconds, and uh, you know, right. so I just, yeah. I mean, there yeah, was- and a
3: lot, of, a lot of the teachers were uh, had gone to school when they grew up mm-hmm. and they had the same horror stories. And then mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you, you forgot There's... what it was like for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, do you have any stories of some of the mischief that you would get in at boarding school? Do you have any, like a, a good mischief story?
4: Mm.
5: <sighs> that you want to tell the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Something like, um, something like the story of uncle Tim putting in the uh, phone booth on top of the building. Oh, yeah. You have some well, of those, I'll right? Brian? Sure.
3: Uh, You know,
2: so once again,
3: of (laughs) limitations. I would hope so at this point. Africa—they don't even care. Um, You know, once again, like Christian schools. What's bad is not really that bad at all, and they they blow these things up into bigger, bigger deals. I'd say the worst thing I ever did, uh, and by me uh, being—I don't know—worst thing aside from drinking it. You know, ninth grade, which is legal because no one cared. In Ethiopia, we used to go get wine cores all the time. <laughs> we weren't allowed to drink, so dorm parents didn't know, and uh, not a, not a lot of people. We didn't tell a lot of people, obviously, because it was trouble. But uh, yeah, at at what, 14 years old, we'd go down to the store and go get wine cores. Looked like Kool Aid, so like, oh, you're drinking Bacardi wine cores. All right, great, it's Kool Aid. <laughs> but okay. probably the worst thing I ever did was you know, a couple guys, we'd go play, we'd leave the computer the computer classroom window open we crack it and we go in there playing computer games at night when we weren't supposed to you know red alert those, those great games from the early 90s and and uh and eventually they yeah. caught on yeah right <laughs> they, they eventually caught on they started locking the windows so there was just there was two doors to the computer lab and one of them the hinges were set up so the door was locked but the, the screws were on the outside so we took a screwdriver and unhinged the door, left it locked, and we'd go play for two or three hours, come back, and we screw the door back and <laughs> run out. <laughs>
0: That's pretty awful. Awesome. the worst thing
3: I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a thrill because, you know, you're in the middle. The, the building's in the center of the campus. Everyone can see. You have lights, so you can't, couldn't turn the lights on. And you're trying to hide the screen brightness at the same time. But yeah, it was fun. That it was sounds thrilling. Sounds like a
5: blast. Yeah, it was thrilling. Yeah, trying to get there like like a spa, like you know, sneaking around in the shadows. <laughs> that'd,
4: yep,
3: that'd yep.
0: Did you guys ever go camel tipping?
3: <laughs> camel tipping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never did that. Hyena hunting. We had, uh, yeah, we hyena hunted. That was always fun. With that, a rifle and by hunting. No, we, no that's not what. vehicle with flashlights.
4: You go and chase them with a Land Cruiser. You get on top of the Land Cruiser and so drives, and you just chase a herd of of uh, hyenas. It's actually pretty fun.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you don't
4: know where you are. You're in the middle of a field, and you're just jumping just all over
5: the place.
0: That sounds yeah. awesome.
5: Yeah, doesn't it? Africa's <laughs> a wild place. There's not a whole lot of rules. T- tell me about that African weed.
3: <laughs> it it grows grow. wild.
2: <laughs>
5: It sounds like that'd be a good, good night. Just like twist up some doobies and chase some hyenas.
3: There were plenty of people who did that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I didn't do that either. Um, I don't think, I knew we knew it was there, but we just didn't really get into it. It was
3: like, okay. Once again, it wasn't forbidden. So I was like, okay, that's no fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You see, United States could take a page out of Africa's book here. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Adam and Eve.
5: (laughs) Right. (laughs) What's the profit in that
0: though?
5: You got to fill the prison system somehow. Of
0: course the for profit prisons, right? There you
3: go. Right.
0: Well, so you guys were in the, uh, the African safari there. Did you guys ever like, and this is a really, really just easy question, but, whenever you think of, or at least whenever I think of Africa, I think of lions and, you know, big giraffes and shit. So did you guys ever like happen upon any of those animals in the wild?
3: So Ethiopia, as war torn as it, as it is, most of the animals, most of the big game got ran, run off or else oh, they were poached. Wow. So to see, like we had catulbus monkey and vervet monkey bounce on our roofs every morning, hyenas at night, sometimes jackals. So a lot of animals know, when I, when I was in Kenya, for Bebas. me, yeah. It...
4: Crocodiles and zebras and hippos are in the rivers.
3: Right. So I guess, yeah. So like, like I said, for me in Kenya, it was, um, we did water buffalo. We were like, we were in the middle of nowhere. So there, were, there was lots of animals around us. You know, yeah. the, the rugby team would go to the rugby field some days and, and they would uh, have, have to cancel practice. Because the water, the water buffaloes run in the, in the middle of the field. Those you know, the animals are very big and they are very, H- very Hibos mean. Scared the shit out of me. Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you ever like do a baptism and then all of a sudden a hippo comes running up out of the water Oh my thing?
3: God. Be...
0: <laughs> uh,
3: I, I never saw that. That would, that would be a good one though. <laughs> for who? For, the hip, for, for storytelling. For the, hippo. for the hungry, hungry hippo. Hungry, yeah, yeah.
2: Hungry,
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it would be like, a hungry, hungry hippo. You know, yeah. the scariest
4: thing for me was when it rained. I still get a little bit scared of walking on grass after it rains because in Ethiopia, oh, the army ants just come out of the ground and you can't see them uh, unless you look closely and the entire grass is just shimmering. Um, Moving, yeah. And if you didn't look for it, you, you just stand in the wrong place and they swarm you. It is the most terrifying thing. I don't care how big an animal is, I'd, I'd run away from them way faster than a crocodile hippo or anything else so I you know I don't walk barefoot in
5: grass (laughs) 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 so you guys talked a lot about your experiences in school in Africa but I mean what were they teaching you other than I mean like so it is predominantly Christian so very fundamental but like were you actually like getting like other knowledge other than the bible and have to memorize scripture i mean we were actually like
0: yeah do you guys know like, anything
3: <laughs> <laughs> so for me um both uh, rva w- was a prep school for for college it's still oh. considered a prep school it's so it's actually
4: one of the number one countries uh, in no, number one high schools in the world
3: actually oh, yeah well, there it, you it's go. it's up there and they hire or they hire there's a lot of missionaries they have a lot of big we had one teacher who was—he um, used to be CEO of, of Opal down there. In-
5: is it Skull and Bones? Are are you Freemason?
3: <laughs> no, but uh, you know there, there was a, there was a lot there's a lot of talent, and they yeah, there's a lot of good information, and and they make you think. So what what the good thing about Christian schools is is they they make you think critically. It's it's not just here's the information, memorize it, and move on necessarily. It's you got to work for it, so it. I think there were three people in my class who scored sixteen hundred on SAT wow. when it was sixteen. Yeah, like smart kids. A lot, a lot of smart kids. A lot of the smart teachers. Just, I, I like the system. So, uh, Amira went to her, hers. Was an English setup. Mine was. Uh, were, you, were you all out all all, uh, all year round school, Amira?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I don't remember. Okay, so yeah, so which was nice for us because. Once again, the diversity at the school, there was a, a whole bunch of us were Westerners, but you had Westerners. We had, I had Australians who lived in, who grew up in Yemen. I had Africans who grew up in the States, you know, uh, other, other people from the Midwest and, and Congo kind of thing. Like, you had all that diversity and, and that was fun for me. Because once again, I love people. I love hearing people's stories. And you make, you hear all these different things and different experiences that you wouldn't otherwise hear about. You know, you know, some kids would come back from from break. So our system was was you know six weeks on, one month off, more, more or less. So you, you got three three months off across the year, but it wasn't all at once because there were so many people from coming from all over the world just just to come here. But you know, you, you once again you have kids come back from break. And go, oh yeah, my my friend walking through a field in the Congo because from the civil war and he blew his leg off, and that was that was my break. <laughs> So you, you hear all these different things that you wouldn't normally, uh, you wouldn't normally hear in the states. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? Just stepped yeah. on an old landmine that never got cleared. Right. And, from and, 30 uh, years ago. Yeah, I mean, and, and the practice was you, you send your herd of cattle across your field before you plow it just to make sure they step on it first. But if they miss one, then you know it's you. <laughs> dang, that's farming yeah. to another level. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's what you got to deal with. You got to deal with people getting blown up, just trying to make just trying to survive.
5: So did you, did you, did you experience, I guess that was 30 years prior to when you were there, but um, I don't guess you guys were any, any, I mean, you were in war torn areas, but did you guys experience any violence or, you know, like, you know, kids with AKs, things like that.
4: Well, you know, I mean, we kind of joked about having um, Americans get snow days and we get, riot days um
0: right uh, yeah
4: but i mean honestly like in 1977 when my mom and uh elizabeth's mom had to leave the country elizabeth's mom actually left before that but that was when the um a, a huge war broke out and when we when brian and i moved to ethiopia in 1994 with our family it was it had uh it was still like under communist um what's the word? like mentality. an environment? Yeah. And right. so seeing people with guns was not a big deal. We kind of always joke, we didn't know if they actually had bullets. But um, you know, you, you, right. you get used to military, you get used to being searched for every little thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just going to the grocery store getting searched. Kinda. And, you know, and, and people, so it, people were all
3: inside by 730 every night. They were because they were because they're know, used like, to they were used to the curfew. <laughs> it used to if you're out past then you get you get shot now it's not that way now but it used to be. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Going back to your question, do you mind if I go back to that educational question?
3: Yeah, definitely.
4: <laughs> um Yeah, you you asked what we learned in school. I, one thing I do remember, which is actually a good thing about the one school, the the first boarding school that we went to was they they put a lot of altruistic um, motives towards the things that we did learn. So you did, you know, you had Bible class in the morning and then you did science and then you did math or whatever. And, um, like we, we would do those things. You get your homework done and stuff, but then we would have like outreaches, which, you know, has a motive behind it. But for me, it did teach me how to be sensitive to the world around me. We would do things like, instead of eating our own lunch, we would pack a lunch fast for that lunch and then go give it to people on the streets who actually did need it um and so i am kind of grateful for that yeah awareness of you know of of what's happening in our world instead of just simply learning the the facts the figures and moving on you know Yeah. yeah
5: i've often wondered what christian uh science class would be like though
3: they teach you both. And that's what I like. It's like they yes. say, here's what evolution teaches. This is what we believe as Christians. You need to know both sides. So, I mean, they're obviously going to push the Christian side, but they teach you both. They did. This is what you'll see out there. This is what we
0: <laughs> Sounds like you guys had different experiences there.
2: Oh, <laughs>
4: big time. Yeah, I, my, my school, well, we did.
5: people uh, went to Brian's school, apparently, is what you're saying. Oh, <laughs> hang on, hang on. <laughs> that, 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 he, he was saying like 1600 on the SAT.
4: Yeah, I, um, we would just, uh, I got through it, okay? Let's just go there. <laughs> now, I, uh, like, tell us about it. in my school, we did, I, we did schools differently, um, and so I actually didn't have to do science as a subject, um. And I started. I we we I started with a biology class, and then I was like, not happening. Uh, I did the computers instead, uh, which meant I learned how to use Excel. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I know that they did teach evolution there because they, the uh, biology teacher there was pretty adamant about um, teaching evolution, and it did It wasn't in high school. They didn't really care as far as like lining up with what people at chapel said, they, they were just like, just, you know, got to get through the class and that's what they taught. So we learned it. Oh, yeah,
3: Very nice. So. I mean, that was a Christian schools. I went to public school in Atlanta. That was, that was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Was,
5: yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. A go, going
3: from a, a strict Christian school, like Bingham Academy in Ethiopia to, to Atlanta public school, where there was 1600 people in my class for in 10th grade you know I, I didn't even i met probably 30 of them yeah but <laughs> well, you'd be sitting in class and you, you they, they were working on the fire system for a while so people pull a fire fire alarm just to go out to smoke weed and, you know you see comms behind the doors you, you'd hear moaning through the ventilation system because they were in the boiler room it was like all right yeah you know, you <laughs> people talking about how they stole their parents credit cards and were were buying porn or whatever else is it, world of difference
5: extreme culture shock then i
3: mean yeah a little bit like oh
5: culture shock and then there's like this is this is what this is what they told me the world would be like and they're not wrong right and they proved
3: they proved me right all right
0: so they weren't that far off is that some of the things that they would tell you like about america or about the united states in african schools like what what was that like what did they how did they portray the united states
3: wow well i remember when we first moved to ethiopia Speaking of African schools, I remember, what was it? Dad came back from one of his, he, my dad was about so dad was a Bible school teacher. And one of the first questions they asked him was, so what's slavery like in the States, like they were still teaching that US has, yeah. <laughs> Once again, from communist, you know, propaganda, but it, it was, it was one of those things like they still thought we had slaves. No, no, that was, that was done a long, long time ago.
0: That is crazy.
3: Yeah. Wow. But uh, when you're sheltered, it's, you only know what you, you get hold of. And uh, the gov- unlike that the states, the government controls the, internet, the media. Probably,
5: yeah, I would say, too.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, what, we just, Ethiopia basically got the internet 15 years ago, at best. Yeah. So- well, we
4: got a phone number <laughs> at 2000, our phone number is 05. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: your your phone number was two digits?
4: Yeah. There's only five phones in the town.
0: <laughs> that's, that's blowing the awesome. mind. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I didn't realize that Ethiopia was that uh, behind the times. That's uh, that's interesting.
3: Ethiopia well, is a very interesting country to begin with. Its history is rich beyond yeah. rich. And, uh, I don't know, the economic war is going on right now between the U.S. and, and China. China is t- buying up Africa left and right, and we're trying to keep up with them. And it's, uh, it's very interesting. They're, China obviously has to keep up with their infrastructure, so they're paying for all of Africa's infrastructure in exchange for natural resources. So Yeah, so, so Ethiopia has been b- built up much more than what I, I, when I was there. So internet is a bigger, bigger thing. And everyone has cell phones now. And...
4: They got their first female president. That was pretty progressive.
3: Yes. Wow. Uh, that too.
2: But that, that, that wasn't recent though. Cause they've, they've gotten, a, gotten a new president now, don't they?
4: No, I mean, not just happened in the last No, That was, month.
3: that was, that just happened the last like week, didn't it?
2: Oh, okay. It was very recent.
3: Yeah. 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 Their, their president resigned. He said, which is also unheard of, you know. Said, hey, I, I can't do anything else for the country. I, someone else needs to take over.
4: Granted, they you, have a president and, and a prime Walter.
3: minister. So you okay? That well, was confusing oh, right.
2: me because your mom was talking about the prime minister then that was making big changes and mm-hmm. uh, healing relations between uh, borders and various things. That was the prime minister then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: Doesn't Ethiopia have issues with Eritrea?
2: Eritrea. They actually officially,
4: with this new president, um, officially stopped the war. They were not, no longer at war with Eritrea.
3: The, the biggest thing was that Eritrea was a uh, territory, you know, they were their own county, whatever. And uh, when, they, when, Ethiopia, when they wanted to recede from Ethiopia, they lost access to the ocean. So that's why Ethiopia fought so hard to keep that, because now, now Ethiopia is a landlocked country. Yeah. That's a big deal. A lot of money. Yeah.
0: That's a game changer. Wow. Well, no wonder. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you this is the stereotype of African cultures, like, uh, the way that they treat women. Um, is that something that you guys saw to be true over there that they treat them as, as, uh, inferior? Um, I mean, I'm hearing that Ethiopia now has a female president. I think that's pretty progressive, but like uh, do they still have the mentality? Uh, I guess not if they would have elected a woman president.
3: The, the cities are always going to be different than the, the, than the countryside. One, because you have more information coming into cities, and you know, that's what cities do. They bring in people, they bring in ideas. So, yeah, your cities probably are are going to be less of that mentality, but the countryside is still going to be more. Women cook cooks the food, raise the kids, men go out to work. So... Part of that's survival. I mean, that's sometimes it's just the way it works. You, you know, men have to go go do the field. Women don't want to plow field. If people realized how hard it was to plow a field with two oxen, they, they would probably be shocked. They're like, oh no, it's you actually have to put some. You might might look like you're riding on the back of a plow, but you're you're still putting a lot of effort into it. It's, it's not an easy job to do. But uh, I mean, and that and that's once again, you're using crude, crude tools and you don't have tractors for the most part rich people do but you know that's far and few between
0: so i hear you saying that women are incapable of doing that job
3: i didn't say they're incapable <laughs> of doing that job i said they wouldn't want to do it well, i mean
4: i don't know that it's not like they're just sitting around i mean if you look at women in the countryside that we grew up in they are hauling water for like lots of miles you know and that's what they do every day and you do it when you're six years old and and up i think they have a long way to go before they're actually you know very far like uh, yeah i I feel like they have a long way to go i i do respect that they have a female president um but i mean i and i know that's different now but when i was growing up Uh. As a woman, um, I wasn't actually able to make friends as a kid because um, long story short, I have four, four siblings. Older brother is a boy, me, uh, and then a younger brother, obviously a boy, and a, and a younger sister. When we arrived in Ethiopia, it was nine, seven, and five, and almost two. Brian yeah. and, and, and my little brother would um, play soccer with boys my little sister was a baby so she'd play with the other babies and i was 7 years old and that is not the age you go and you let anybody run around when you know how how many cows they're worth
0: <laughs> is that marrying age
4: uh yeah, they didn't do that it wasn't quite as common but it was definitely yeah. working age and so girls oh. were working in the house and what? they weren't i wasn't going to be playing with anybody
0: were you ever afraid of getting kidnapped and being forced into labor or anything?
4: Uh, well, I don't think I would have known what they would have done. It wouldn't have like occurred to me, but yeah, I knew that it wasn't safe to um, leave the property.
0: So that was an actual threat, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
4: And,
3: uh... I mean, the other problem too is with us, we were the first white kids to be there in twenty. 20- Plus years, so you know, just walking down the street, I you can ask Elizabeth. I had a bowl cut. I had long blonde hair, and everyone wanted to see what it's like to touch blonde hair. You know, how's it, how's your hair feel different than my hair? And so, in a sense, we were all. If it, if, it, if it was in the states, we could have all claimed harassment one way or another, in some degree, sexual harassment. You know, but uh, <clears throat> it's just if they were curious, and we had to put up with it. So they got comfortable with us, and so it, it made life interesting for all of us, I think. but yeah, uh, Amira yeah, is right though it, it is a little she, being a girl at that age, they were all helped they were they were directed to help their mother like their mothers wouldn't let them out of the house. It was expected that they help learn how to cook, sleep, do all the chores around the house, keep the house clean and and whatnot. but so,
4: yeah, I don't know. just a little side note. Kind of interestingly, my younger sister and I just had a little chat a couple of years after we'd moved to the States. Um, and just between the both of us had to realize that we actually taught ourselves to look up when we were walking down the road. Uh, because the harassment and huh. the calling the you know, the you if you were walking down the road as like a high schooler, we actually lived in the city. Um, and you just walk down the road, get some bread or something. And you, you walk with the dog. You don't look at anybody. You don't understand them because you don't want to. And um, and then coming to the States and realizing, oh, I actually can look somebody in the eyes. And, and that's expected. And they're not going to like undress you while, <laughs> while you're standing there. Um, not that guys here don't do that. Let's be honest. But um, in general, my sister and I both had to, we both realized that we had to learn how to like earn confidence. Like we had to teach ourselves to do that.
0: That's really interesting. And you said that you had to pretend like you didn't understand them. Do you speak Amharic? Uh,
4: I don't speak Amharic as well as I speak Oromifa, which is the language we grew up in. Um, I I was in boarding school most of the time when my my family lived in the city.
3: And
4: I mean, I, hate to portray ethiopia like that i i don't want to give them that view i don't know that that's 100 percent fair it, it is my experience so
0: i'll, I'll say really, that i go ahead i'm sorry
3: uh, no you're fine i i, I mean I, I, you made that comment about looking down i, I didn't realize that I, I did that too actually because you didn't want the if you looked up and they saw you then they then they start calling you and saying yeah. whatever I, I looked down for a long time Cause it, it was just easier to avoid the eye contact So mm. dad they... started yelling at me for not looking people in the eyes.
2: Oh. Were they asking you guys for money? Like they did when I came to visit you guys.
4: Yeah. They offer everything, money
3: and you know, <clears> it's a joke though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause I remember, <laughs> I remember teasing one time cause I was feeling as if it was a joke as well. Um, I don't know if we pushed too hard and I was being stupid but I claim the fact that I was only 19 so
4: <laughs>
3: the, the thing with Ethiopia is you have because it's poor, quote unquote, they uh, every aid organization in the world's there. The UN's there, the African Union's there. And so people can make more money begging than they can actually getting a real job. You have you have Catholics that, that give, you have Orthodox, which is the state religion. Required to give. You have Muslims that are required to give, and then you have the Christians that, more or less, are required to give. And so it's easier to sit there and beg than it is to actually get a job. And uh pe- parents would do horrible things to their kids just to make it legit. They cut wow. limbs off. They they they'd inject them with stuff. So the hand would be like Someone? twenty times. The oh yeah, they gouge eyes out. Even no. though they were perfectly healthy. Yeah, absolutely. That's ridiculous.
0: That is. It is terrible. ridiculous.
3: And but that's the culture and that's the way it was like, Oh, you know, cause because they, they figured out Westerners figured out what, which kids actually needed help and which ones didn't. Like one of the thing is if you had shoes on, you had money. So like, Oh, okay. You're just, you're, you're just trying to scam me. Get out of here. And then, so they're like, Oh, well he was making good money or she was good. Making good. Money. Now she's not. All right, come here. <laughs> so they do stuff to the kid. Cause Everyone falls for kids. How can you not? You're innocent, you know?
0: That is some really sick shit. Yeah. Like they would gouge their kids' eyes out or cut off limbs?
3: Yeah. Oh or or cut them up severely so they had to go to the doctor and get it amputated anyways. But yeah.
0: That is just insane. Yeah. Do you see a parallel between that mentality of like, If I, if I just beg, then I'll get more than actually going out and earning my own wage. Do you see a parallel with that? And like, um, how do I say this sensitively (laughs) the left and the liberals here in the United States and how they want to just give handouts to everybody and, you know, take care of everyone. Do you think that that's, uh, where we're headed with that mentality?
4: You know, there's a really good book called I "Where Do. Helping Hurts," and it, it kind of it really hits on that point. Can't remember who the author is, um, but they talk about like the handouts and what that right. causes. And I mean, it it is, un- like ha- if you have a five year old, keep handing them cookies without giving them responsibility, and you're not right. going to get a great kid. It's not it's not <laughs> like dream science, but. Um,
3: I was gonna say the you know. same thing, Amira. Even even with my own life, when people, when someone gives me something, the, the, how I care about it is far less than if I had to actually earn it. I had to go out and get it.
5: We saw a lot of that in Alaska too. Uh, yeah, with, the, with the, all the permanent fund dividends and stuff, and the dividends right. for for the First Nations and stuff like that. Like a lot. I mean, it's not that I don't agree with like dividends, but it, it was one of the things that it 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 was enough money to survive off, especially in a place where you can live off the land to, to not give you enough motivation to actually possibly better yourself, you know, and use the, use the money for school or something. You just use it for like four-wheelers or toys or, you know, like that's, that was just the mentality of once because it's free money. You didn't, you didn't earn it. You, it was just given to you. So. You
3: know, and it's coming from a biblical perspective, it's, uh, you know, God says, through your, through your trials and tribulations, you'll, you'll grow in your faith. It's kind of the same thing. If you don't ever, if you're never knocked down, you, you never know how to stand back up. So if you're given everything, then what's the point saying? I can sit here. You can just keep giving me everything I need. What's the point in moving?
5: So, so, so speaking of that and coming from Ethiopia, and then you say going to school in Atlanta, were you in school in Atlanta too then Amira at the same time? And what grade would you have been in? <laughs>
4: We don't know. Um, no, I um, <laughs> we I went. We were. I lived in Atlanta, but I was uh, quote unquote homeschooling. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then we left, and nobody knows what actually transpired that year. I just faded in and faded out. <laughs> so no, I didn't. I I I was um, not in a good place in my own head at that point. So I um, stayed home.
5: Did you do, so when you left, you left back to Africa? Correct. And then you did more, okay. So you did, all of your schooling then was overseas?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
5: Very cool, very cool.
4: Yeah. So
2: we may need to explain the, you guys, your parents would work in Africa for a few years and then come back to the States on a furlough. Correct to do fundraising and tell the churches that were um, sponsoring them, like what you guys did. And you you also got to come back once in a while for family time, right? Like to see us, because I know, I mean, there was a good chunk of our growing up years that we didn't see each other. However, there were, there was some times when we did see each other after, what was it? 1994, you said? nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah. 1994. Um, so we may need to just clarify that to,
4: um, our parents in in when we left to Ethiopia in 1994 the way they did it was four years on the field and six a year off the field and then four years off on the field and a year off I'm pretty sure that was so they did yeah. I know it's changed since so that uh, my parents now come every two years um, but we when we were in um, Atlanta for a year my dad was actually in school getting his PhD, i think it was um pastors getting it he was he was in school at at a seminary there um and so and they weren't actually sure if they were going to go back to ethiopia at that point so um it that's what ended up happening but that was a year kind of off for for
5: so both you guys are full-time missionaries now right (laughs) yeah
4: (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're a full-time missionary i live in hollywood <laughs> the real thing
0: well hey that would be the mission field right
4: yeah it's a it's a pretty interesting place to be that's not a, that's not a lie
0: <laughs> how did you end up in hollywood
4: jesus did it
0: <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just juked you.
2: yeah Chris is an atheist.
0: I'm not <laughs> an atheist. Oh,
2: agnostic. Sorry, agnostic.
4: Well, um, I was. I never thought I'd get it. Um, La, La is one of those places you only go to if you're pretty or talented. And <laughs> let's just laugh at that. But um, and well, she's that's both. not nice. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, that's unfair.
0: unfair. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's unfair. You can't
2: I'm just say that to yourself. I, I was never been in. Ryan, keep your mouth shut for everyone. Who's <laughs>
0: listening right now. She's very pretty.
2: Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't number is. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
5: oh, yeah. And, I wasn't going to say anything yet. Yeah, and single. Yes. Yeah.
4: Well, let me just tell you, I was thinking about putting uh, a single tape across my forehead as my Halloween costume. Cause in church that scares the boys like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, I'm in Hollywood now, and I work in production, doing, doing stuff.
0: I still have no idea how you got to Hollywood.
4: Oh, so <laughs> I went to Bible school. Plane. Um. <laughs> what's that?
5: Oh, uh, flight plane. Yeah. Normally
4: yeah. American,
5: no, I. American, American Airlines.
4: Yeah. yeah I, I went to I moved to California in 2015 to go to a, a Bible school in um in Northern California. And after two years of going there, um, long story short, I was assuming that I just stuck around there, but it turned out that a movie came up to that little tiny town and they called me in just to help out. It's going to be like a little assistant on the set. And um, by the end of the movie, I was the second assistant director. So they told me to come down to LA and work. So I do that.
0: That's badass. That's awesome. Wow, it
5: is.
0: (laughs) So, do you uh, do you? I guess you enjoy the work; otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it.
4: Yeah, it's a freelance job, so um, you know it's faith based. (laughs) Always looking for the next one. Um, Oh,
0: so you're doing faith based films?
4: No.
5: (laughs) (laughs) She works with Kurt Cameron. (laughs) She's his assistant.
4: Yeah, uh, that's,
0: um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um,
4: I hear Jesus more often than you'd believe in church, but it's not the same direction. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I just do, I'm actually on the, uh, right now i in the, the bottom of the ranks. I'm a production assistant most of the time. Um, Sometimes every once in a while I get a second assistant job, but I'm still learning the ropes because Hollywood is actually very Proficient business, they really know what they're doing. So you you do earn your steps up. Sure. Um, and I,
0: what have you worked on? Anything uh, anyone would know?
4: Not anything I can tell you about. <laughs> um, that, <More> seriously, <laughs> no. I.
2: <we> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> You'll see some things coming out eventually. I'm gonna put my name on them.
5: Um, porn sets. <laughs> no,
2: I don't. I don't. I don't know where they are <laughs> are we allowed to say the one that you and i were talking about amira uh which one our friends. my friends oh yeah yeah
4: that one's out um uh that was the nicks um professional makeup award ceremony that we worked on so um the producer there i was working for the producer on that one and it was a um They have six contestants who are Facebook or YouTube kind of makeup tutorial finalists and then they get their last look and and um, uh, Our production company made their um, final looks and their, their, um, what do you call them? montage videos like the the ones that come up on the screen at the award ceremonies that say this is what they did they show it It's beautiful looks really great. Um, And then one of them wins. So that's what we did about two months ago. Uh, I just worked on um, Jodie Foster's Get Out the Vote. That was pretty cool. Um,
0: Did you get to meet her?
4: Yeah, yeah, she's good.
0: That's cool.
4: So, um, yeah, it was Jodie Foster. And there's, you'll see, I don't know if you're in California, but basically they're um, it's promoting getting out and voting. Um, and it was a 90, 85% um, female cast and crew. So that was, uh, that was, you know, super progressive in Hollywood, which is really cool. Um, a lot of really great people and, um, yeah, it's just really fun. So it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work.
0: Sure. I mean, you probably have to, you know, make your way and, and you're trying to raise up in the ranks. So you're like taking whatever job you can. And I imagine that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend in, uh, shit, I don't know if it's North Carolina or South Carolina. I guess that makes me a pretty bad friend. Uh, but he, we grew up in the same town. It, it, I'll it pisses say that. us
5: off, too, if you're from that area. Yeah, uh, I'm sure if, it does. If, if, you get it, if you get it wrong.
0: <laughs> there's a big difference. I'm pretty sure it's South Carolina. But I have a friend who's a colorist. Uh, so he, oh, he yeah. works on film, too. Yeah,
4: works in a cool studio. eats a lot of, things. I don't know, they have some of these really awesome post- studios where you go in and you work on your post projects and yeah they're
3: really nice
0: yeah well what about you brian uh, where did you end up
3: well so i came back to the states in july of 2004 um pretty much got dropped off and left to fend for myself Yeah. Uh, I, went, I went to college for about a year No, it was only a semester i got fed up with americans and their culture and and their Ignorance, and I said I'm going to join the military, and go see the world, and.
0: So whoa, 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 whoa hold up, hold up! What do you mean by Americans' ignorance and culture? What are you talking about?
5: This would be a long conversation. We're, we're, we're very ignorant to that because we're Americans. We got time,
0: so yeah. So <laughs> we got time. So
3: basically, for me, yeah. I, <laughs> once it. again, going back to everything being handed to you, no, nobody actually understands the politics that they are in. Nobody understands what. That people are suffering down two doors no one even knows their neighbor anymore you know we, we've gone so far to being such extreme individualists that we completely forget that we have a community around us and we don't care about anybody but ourselves and uh you know that's whatever secularism but uh it, it's it was irritating to watch people who call themselves christians care strictly about themselves and people don't know how to have a relationship like something simple as truly asking someone how you how you're doing and what i've had so many friends where i start getting deep in it and they walk away because they can't handle going deep and like i like i shared earlier being in in a place like kenya where we had people from all over the world in one spot you didn't you didn't know if you were going to wake up tomorrow morning so you went deep you went deep hard and and uh that's the community i grew up in so going from that to what I perceived the shallowness here was really, really frustrating for me. And honestly, it was really depressing. i didn't help I was in the north where in, you know, northern northwestern Pennsylvania where it's cloudy ninety percent of the time. And it never but, um, had in
4: our home. Um, yeah. Used to sunshine Just, and weather.
3: <laughs> people people w- wouldn't talk more than superficial. It was it was all superficial conversations. How you doing? I'm doing. Oh, I'm doing great. Well, clearly you're not. You're just crying over there. You're, you're not. <laughs> you're not fine. You know what's really going on? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. You don't care, anyways. You know? No, I do care. Let's sit down have a. And you know I, that that's who I am too as a person. I, I I care deeply about people, so I I pursue them, where most of the people don't pursue. You know, being in the military now, we we hear the statistics all the time about suicide, and and it's uh. It, it people people just don't ask half the time people don't ask. They, the signs are there for a lot of them and it's nobody takes the time to actually uh, i'm busy i got stuff to do we're so busy with our lives we don't have stop, time to stop and look around for this you know and see what's going on so that that's still irritates me to this day but um i guess that's my experience and that's where i was going with with the uh yeah the, the american ignorance you know there are so many people that need help physically emotionally spiritually we, we don't even uh, we don't even take the time to see where they're at I just say hi how are you it's so easy to do and, and it's we don't even do that so
5: I yeah I agree. That's that's really one of my passions too. And it it's hard. It's it's like almost like a bumper sticker society. You know, everyone, everyone right. just just wants to get their opinion out. You know, no one wants to actually like hear and listen and allow their inform their opinions like as they go. You know, it's like everyone's too afraid to you know like be wrong. It's almost like a competition. Everything's made out to be like like you know us versus them me versus you you know and if and if you're not on my team then i'm gonna to have to like you know defend my team fiercely fiercely even even if i don't necessarily agree with these points like i still have to w- win one for the team and so i i um i yeah i'm with you on that we can we could talk about that for hours for sure but um yeah. so but that that was enough just like your interact social interactions then were like one of the main things that were, were enough to be like I don't really want to do school here in the states I don't want to do this and and so you figured the military then was going to be like um, the solution just because you wanted to travel more you of as a free travel is how you saw it or like also also was it the thing of justice also wanting to like fight for because you're wanting to fight for a nation that obviously is irritating you you much rather be anywhere else but but you still want to fight for it so talk about that
3: the, the thing i found in the military was that when you travel you 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 have different experiences you're not just you don't just understand your hometown you know politics you actually understand that there's a bigger world outside of your little town in western pennsylvania eastern ohio and uh so that I, I had experiences outside of the US so I, I could relate. and it was a lot easier to relate to people who knew something out other than just the US and could have different experiences, different ideas and you know you, you could be, you could be a re- Republican per se, but you still have some leftist viewpoints on a certain thing. You, could, you, you didn't have to be set one, on one track. It wasn't one track of my own. Like, like you were saying, I'm a Republican, I have to spout all Republican talking points now like you can have a partially different opinion <laughs> you know you can understand a different start. you know
5: but you chose military over like say like, like uh why not do be missionary i mean you, you that, that was your experience so, so is that, it was almost like uh that's
2: what i
3: did <laughs> you're right
1: you did do that um
3: you just need more
5: more action for just what you needed you, like <laughs>
3: One was the travel. Two, they were going to pay for school. And so my, my goal was I wanted to be a missionary pilot. I still do to some extent. I want to be a pilot anyways. Missionary pilot would be fun. Bush pilot. Yeah, um, yeah. But so, yeah, I, uh, I saw that as an opportunity. I was part-time for the first five years, and then I got tired of having to remember what, what my job was one week in the month, two weeks out of the year. So, so I'm gonna do this full time. So I got a DOD position down in North Carolina, and that was an interesting experience. It was uh, not what I was expecting, but uh, as far as the oh, yeah. military goes, oh man, I, was, I was miserable. Talk about talk about getting stabbed in the back. You know, you're you're supposed to be this family, and you couldn't you couldn't trust anybody. It was this guy was out for everyone was out for themselves. So any time you turn around, you had like ten knives in your back, and you didn't even know it.
5: Oh. Why? Wow, what was, it was just ma- that was it just that part of the military? What would you call that? That branch that.
3: So I was at Pope Air Force Base. Um, they would shut down active duty, and they brought in a reserve unit there. Okay. Um, yeah.
5: To save money, or what was going on with that?
3: Yeah. So they call it BRAC uh, base realignment and closure. So they closed um, the active duty base, brought in a reserve unit. Yeah to save money, basically to save money. It was a joint unit. So what, so what they're trying so what their military is doing as, across the country is they're trying to consolidate. So if there's a guard unit, an, an army guard unit and a, and a Navy guard or reserve units close by, they'll, they'll combine and they'll, they'll drill at the same base. So they don't have resources. You know, you're not spending money on this property and that property. It's it's we got one property, the other one got sold off. Well,
5: well, yeah, it's smart. I mean, if you're, I mean, a taxpayer, you want your money being sp- spent wisely. So right. it's, it's not right. You can't you can't knock them for that. So. So,
3: so that's the mentality. So now there's a lot of joint force. Um, what where we were different was reserves. So typically, active duties in charge reserves are just a, an attach, attachment. In this instance, reserves were in charge, and active duty was the attachment, which is at that point in time was pretty much unheard of. I think we were one of two units doing it. I mean, ours got closed down, but the other one isn't doing great either. And that's just the mentality. So in the reserves, you have a full-time force, which are DOD employees. And so they're, they're civilian by trade, but they have this little clause in there for dual, dual status employees. And uh, they made us wear the uniform. So That caused a lot of strife because we were DOD employees, but we were wearing a uniform that we weren't technically, we weren't the rank that we were wearing, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's a lot, it's very confusing to a lot of people Yeah, to actually understand it. But, uh, so there was a lot, of, a lot of friction between active duty and us. You know, oh, you're you're a master sergeant, you're a tech sergeant, which is E6. You know, you're a supervisor. No, I'm just a WG-10, which is a wage grade employee. I don't have any supervisory roles. I can't discipline anybody. So you know, there was there was those back and forth, those little nuances people were trying yeah. to get used to. And
5: I don't, I, yeah, I didn't understand a word you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew you would.
3: <laughs> Somebody out there will.
5: Awesome. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, that's, that, that's definitely so. That how long did that last then? And are you? Or- so that
3: was five years, and now I moved. So that base was getting shut down, and so I moved up. To New England, to Connecticut, to Connecticut Air National Guard, where I was active duty for the last okay. four years. Yeah, four okay. and a half years.
5: So five years there, four years there. So what team do you you know support on Sunday morning? Like tomorrow morning, who will you be rooting for? And you also, and you also, and you also were in Western
3: Pennsylvania for a while too. So, so I always w- just say I was born into having to be a Steelers fan. So kind yes. of by default. So
2: that's by us. default. Grandpa, yeah, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so Pittsburgh Steelers sure.
5: fans. Uh, Panther fans would would have would have taken you though. <laughs> what is yes.
2: that Packers fan? Packers jersey you're holding
4: up
0: there, Amira? No. Oh no,
4: yeah, no, 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 Packers no. Omar. <laughs> <laughs> to me the other day. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this, but it's
2: my colors, I guess. <laughs> Steelers.
0: So she's so far, working on a Steelers documentary.
2: Ah, it's all ah, that's so, Brian, when in that course of, of time, you got married, though, right? Because I
3: think mm-hmm. I know you a little
2: bit. You got married. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: That did happen. <laughs> you, I got
0: married. That did happen. How the hell did you do that?
2: <laughs> he, he beat me to well, the punch. Yeah. <laughs> by six months. You, you did go up long
3: enough, and then, uh, yeah, right? I did beat you by six months. So I met my now wife in in high school in, at RVA with Valley Academy. Those are Virginia.
4: some of the stories he didn't tell you.
0: So y- you were the one in the boiler room.
3: <laughs> we're not going to disclose any of that information. <laughs> it was Africa. <laughs> a boiler room. It, a oh. it, was, yeah, I it, it was warm enough. Anyways, you didn't need a boiler room.
0: <laughs> you, so you met. So you met your wife in Africa.
3: I did. Oh, Chase, okay. Chase hyenas. Gotcha. <laughs> I was chasing something. I don't know if I'm chasing at that point. Like. It was tail of some
2: kind.
0: Certainly chasing tail, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh.
2: wait. To preface, I really love Sheila. She's amazing. Yes, yes. One of the best grafted-in cousins ever. Oh, <laughs> Not, Brian has found the queen of a wife. Just Oops. make sure that gets in there. <laughs>
3: the wellers are. Yes.
0: Was well she one of the awesome. queens of an Ethiopian village or something? That was Sheila.
3: Oh. <laughs> That's a good pun. That's a good play on words there, though. Yeah, I, should, I should use that sometime.
5: <laughs> so, so anyway, so you guys are in the bowler room, chasing tail, and then... <laughs> right.
3: So let's see. We started dating our uh, junior year of high school. We got engaged our sophomore year of college, yeah. I uh, proposed, we went back for a a reunion in high school and uh, I proposed there, sunset, African mountainside, beautiful. Um, And (laughs) uh, yeah, got married. I I don't even know if it was six months later we moved from Western PA down down to North Carolina. That was interesting. That was probably the best thing that happened to us was moving away from my immediate family who was in the States at the time. So uh,
0: so do you consider yourself an African-American?
3: Or American, American-African? American So I, I like to say, I, I tell African-Americans, people of color all the time that uh, I said, I'm more African than you are. And they laugh <laughs> and we, we need to get along. and Yeah.
2: You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we kind one, of are. One time, <laughs>
3: Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So yeah, I got married. I have three kids now. Of course of that. We've been married 10 years. Yeah. 10 years just last June.
5: Yeah. We're coming up on it this December.
3: Yeah. Next month.
0: Well, congratulations. Sounds like, uh, things worked out pretty well for you. So let me ask you guys this. I'm, I'm pretty curious. It sounds like you guys still have faith and you're still Christians. Um, so, how did your upbringing being missionary kids moving back and forth between schools, uh, you know, Christian schools, private schools, charter schools, boarding schools and all this stuff. Uh, and then of course having to come to the United States, see how Christians are here. Um, how has that affected your faith? That's a good question.
4: Well, I mean, it's definitely impacted my faith in a, in a major way. I, I, I've never questioned whether or not God exists. And and the reason for that is because he's proven himself quite a few times. Um, you know, not just through finances, we've, I, my life has been on the line several times when we were kids. Uh, we lived out in a village and, um, we were trying to do this immersive experience and I got sick and hallucinated and couldn't, I couldn't recognize my own mother. Um, and it was a very scary thing, and and the woman who was, we were in a hut, so the woman in the hut next to us heard my mom screaming and um, came in and just laid hands on me and, and prayed, and I don't remember a thing, but I was better the next day, and there was no, you know, that, that was Jesus, it had to been. Um I know that, um, growing up in high school, it was definitely hard for me to know where he was. I knew he was with other people. It was definitely clear. Um, he he was with uh, other missionaries. we went Presbyterian, so I think he got bored with us. Um, and <laughs> I, you know, so like we, I just, I remember going through the motions and by the time I was in my um, early 20s, I just remember being like, okay, well, if you're not here, I'm done. I can't, I I can't deny you because I've seen you so much, but I don't think you like me. And I'm kind of over you too. But, um, he showed up in a, in a big way for me. Um, when I was 25, I really was in a place of need and, um, he, I just, I can't, I can't deny the God who loves me, you know, and I, and I know he loves me. And, um, so that's who I follow. I followed Jesus and, um, God, the father, you know, and I, I don't, I don't need religion. I don't need other people's opinions. I know um, who I love and who I believe in. I will always chase after that, no matter where it is, and who I'm looking for. So that's yeah. what, that's for me, it's the biggest thing. Like if he's not there, I'm not coming. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's true of me too. You know, you, when you put your faith in people, you'll always be disappointed every single time. And, and so, uh, there's a saying the church in america is an inch wide and a mile deep and the church in africa is a mile wide and an inch deep and to have both experiences you put them together and, and you can see you can follow god pretty, pretty easily if you open your eyes and look but uh you know I, I i'm i think almost everyone in our family almost died at least once probably more times if you actually sat back and thought about it. i don't know i mean other times we have no idea that we could have died and didn't but uh yeah life life is valuable life is it comes and goes pretty quick if you're not paying attention and it's so fragile it's amazing that any of us are here honestly i, I talked about coming to states and, and being depressed or being upset and lonely i i was i was extremely depressed for about three months and in those three months i i didn't go to church because i was just fed up with people christians and everything and in those three months were probably the most miserable months of my entire life and when i when god said, look you need to go back. You might not agree with what they're saying, but you need to be around fellow believers. I did that. And, community. You know, right. And that community really helps. Once again, I didn't agree with, I still don't agree with a lot of what they do, but, you know. So Brian. How, how can you change if you don't ever, if you're not going to be the catalyst to help help them change?
5: Right. Uh, You mentioned something and I kind of perked up because I had a a similar experience. You said that like, you died or nearly died um, at at least once. You want to maybe tell us one of those stories? Um, And I'll share mine real quick too. I don't know if any of the listeners
3: have heard of it. The the most prominent one I remember almost dying was, once again, homeschooled. I was eighth grade because before I went to Bingham. Um, I was, it was a Friday. Mom said, you know what, we're going to be done with school for next week. Have a, have a good week on vacation, get back, back in the groove of things. I was folding laundry and my stomach started hurting. And I said, mom, I, I, I gotta go lay down. And I don't, I don't get sick very often. When I do, I, I get sick really bad. I just kind of hold it back. And then <laughs> when I get a break, I just, I just let it all out and worst case scenarios usually always happen. But uh, so I was laying in bed and my mom's nurse by trade. She, I don't, I don't even know why she did this because my mom one of those suck it up and get over it kind of people. So surprisingly, she came in and said, uh, "Does it hurt on over here?" And she poked on my left side, and no, not really. She poked on my right side, and I, I it was really painful. I said, "Oh, we need to go to the doctor." So I climbed out of the top bunk, and I, I it was the the government hospital was just on the other side of the fence used to be the old mission hospital and it's pretty run down uh, we knew one of the nurses she she went to our church and so she let, she let us in she got us in there uh, and, and of course of course uh, in Ethiopia nothing's clean so there's rats the size of you know your house cat running around in there and and um, it is dirty like the whole place was dirty so they're like yeah you know what? it's your appendix we can't do the operation here we don't have the facilities to do it but they hooked me up on the IV and, uh, and uh, so I pretty much spent the night there. Yeah. I spent the night there. Uh, My parents tried to go figure out transportation. And during that time, like my mom, mom and dad were praying whole time. So they got, they got a vehicle. They loaded it all up to go to the missionary well mission hospital about three hours away. And we got in the truck. I don't even know how far we made it. We made it like two kilometers, I think. Like, a little less than a mile. And the, and the car just died. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was a truck. It was a, it was a uh, Toyota Hilux. And uh, so we had, had to go find another vehicle. And they, most of the vehicles were out. So the nearest one available was another three kilometers the other direction. So someone, I think my dad... I don't, know, I don't know how they got the truck. They, they they went over there, they got it, they came back two hours later. I think by the time everything was said and done, we packed it, drove three hours. You know, in, in Africa or at least where we were, the roads were all weather roads and, and three hours is, for us was probably, I don't even know if it was a hundred miles. So away, no it maybe it was right around a hundred miles.
4: You know, yeah, right there in the bursting. So,
3: level. right. And that's what the doctors at the, at the mission hospital said, They said, if I hadn't had the IV, it would have burst. And I probably would have died. So, um, oh. yeah, yeah. That was, that was the closest I knowingly came to death.
5: Yeah. I bet that was terrifying too. When after the trucks dying on your way, you know, it's thinking like, you know, how, how am I going to get the hospital? I'm going to die out here in the, middle of nowhere.
3: <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know if I cared. I was just in so much pain. It just hurt so bad.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I drowned when I was two years old. Um, wow. My grandmother found me floating face down. And so that's always been part of my story, too. Like, of um, everything I've gone through and questioning everything, it's one of the things that, like, you know, like, having that near-death or death experience because like they had called nine one one pulled me out tried to do resuscitation you know mouth to mouth cpr all the whole thing and i guess i was non-responsive and I, from the story being told again i was two years old so i'm going off of what my grandmother told me who was like there that like that it wasn't until she like you know screamed out the name of the lord jesus quote unquote that i opened up my eyes and started coughing up water and so um that obviously has has um and been imprinted on me and obviously like for years there was some trauma involved like like when i'd be like falling asleep i'd be like cold hold my breath and that like dream state that like, going in and out or whatever and so actually there was a reoccurring dream that i'd have where i'd be on like a merry-go-round or a, is it a merry-go-round where they have the horses that go f- fair what is it called with a carousel thank you um and I'd be on the carousel and the music would be playing and stuff. And then it would start going faster and faster and faster. And then I'd, then I'd realize that like I'd wake up and I would wake up in a panic and not be breathing and stuff. And I didn't know until I was older that that's probably why I was doing it. Cause it was just kind of like re- reliving that trauma of like, but yeah. So, um, huh. I'm still in the, there's a God camp, but, uh, so, um, it's been a great conversation before you leave. Um, Couple questions. Like, I want not know if you have any good Christmas stories to tell us. Um, maybe um, while you're over there in Ethiopia or in boarding school or something along those lines, or, or you know, just uh, what it's like. Uh, if you guys like Christmas, you know, like away from everybody, like scattered, you know, like maybe in the, in the recent years, like maybe like what um, each of you, what's your best story? And maybe it may even be the same story. Um, then also, Um, Was there Heavily any like demonic Activity or anything did you see Like any like witch doctor type stuff Or any um, Any dark magic You like was there That level of Christianity Spiritual warfare stuff going on um, While you guys were over there is that something that like You grew up in Um, Yeah So, Any stories We'd love to hear them
4: well, like I said, we were Presbyterians, so that happened to the other missionaries. Once <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> Who
5: who, who got who that was more fun? Barely. Yeah,
4: I mean, <laughs> I do I do actually remember wishing that I was with one of those other missionary groups because they got the motorcycles and they got the cool stories, and we we were just sitting here in the bush, just playing with dirt. That's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
5: Learning card games, probably right.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs>
3: which they couldn't do.
4: Um,
3: <laughs> yes,
4: I think uh, for Christmas, I mean, we grew up in Ethiopia. They, they follow the um, Ethiopian Orthodox calendar, which means Christmas isn't really relevant until uh, January. So um, we would do our own little family Christmas. Thing and um, kind of try to get a day off where people weren't necessarily coming to do business with my my parents. Um, and I, I mean, I remember trying to make it feel like Christmas in America. So we close all the curtains pretending like it wasn't sunny outside, it was supposed to be snowing, and hoping that your um, presents came from the hams because they got the best presents.
2: <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yep. <laughs>
4: we would do like cousin exchange gifts and we always knew who the good ones were no
2: offense to anybody (laughs) um, yeah we didn't want to get them from Aunt Lisa because that meant we weren't getting them that year
4: and then we had to write thank you notes which was even more (laughs) tedious (laughs) until
2: Aunt Ellen put a stop to it (laughs) was that last year when we
4: were finally most of us adults Um, yep (laughs) and so, her kids were
2: learning to write
4: yeah yeah uh let's see christmas stories if you're gonna,
5: yeah anything that's anything that sticks out if not it's okay and then you know have you ever been you know possessed by a demon or you know any stigmata stigmata action would definitely oh, yeah, you be you a good story
4: up for that
3: yeah <laughs> as far as christmas goes for me uh, you know I'd, for a while you, it takes a while to get used to coming back to cold weather when you're used to 85 degrees and it's sunny outside, or even 100 degrees some years. But uh, I don't,
5: I don't imagine you guys had Christmas trees at all. You
4: know, oh, need- that was so, a good
3: one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say our, our first year we had a, basically a travel brown Christmas tree. It was kind of pine. It was, it was like Carolina pine, so it was a really nice, thin, and yeah, there was nothing. Think about it, but yeah, it was it was fun. We we uh, decorated it, and people asked us why we did that, and Explained it a little bit, and uh, yeah, that was our first year of Christmas.
4: After that, our Christmas, um, Dad didn't want to climb any more trees, so we went and I got a fake, fake Christmas tree. that's what and, we did. Uh, it it on the box is um, made by Al Qaeda, so it never blew up. That's right. But uh, that was our...
3: <laughs> I forgot about that's that. That's
4: amazing. They, they
3: made
5: Christmas trees too. Oh pretty my pretty
4: gosh, cool. they do. Well, they were they in the Christmas
5: tree business <laughs> before they started blowing up business or <laughs> Maybe we just got a dud.
4: Uh, it wasn't spelled the same, but it was. It, you definitely read it. Al-Qaeda.
5: Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. It's like, thank you. Your money has uh, bought this many guns today. <laughs> yeah.
3: As far as spiritual warfare, though, I, I got to go out with Dad. Cause, so what, what they would do, pa- pastors, ch- churches were far and few between. So people would come like yeah. it, it was like the old days here you know 1700 where one pastor would would have to ride his horse from point a to b c d and e to go preach So, so sermons weren't necessarily on sunday you know he had an area to cover and that's what he did for his week you know um so they had spiritual conferences as they called them and and that, that was usually right in between seasons so it wasn't too much people could get to it but uh yeah i, I saw people uh exercised and they <laughs> to, yeah. to see that it it's amazing how accurate Hollywood can be sometimes when they did you
5: to. see people like levitating and everything you're ever seeing by like full on not on the ground all fours
3: I saw this guy he he got bent in half he was I'm pretty sure he was off the ground but he was not himself like the sounds and the noises coming out of him were, were not human
5: how old were you when you saw that
3: i was 13.
5: dear god i'm sorry i'm so glad that my kids are not in church right now <laughs> like i mean it's like
3: <laughs> but uh it's an interesting experience, experience. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I, but yeah these people would would you know there were, there were people that couldn't walk that would walk and it was, it was interesting like, and it, it wasn't it was it was definitely wasn't set up like you, you couldn't always really set things up very well out there. You couldn't fake it like you can't hear. Um, yeah, there were people who definitely couldn't walk, couldn't see. You could see their eyes were clouded over, and, and then they weren't. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's one thing in the States we, we don't do well is the spiritual warfare. I, I think we were very complacent in that area.
5: Well, it's big pharma. Everything's medicine. You just you know, here's a right. pill, there's a pill for it. You know, right. to to block the symptoms or whatever or do whatever. So
3: right, it 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 numbs the pains. So your body doesn't. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting study to, to look at the devil and the hierarchy and and where different they they have regions.
5: Where do you look at the devil at? What was that? <laughs> so where do you look at the devil at? Is that over there where Amir is at?
3: Yeah, Yeah. Well, being up here in New England, actually, we're we're the most unreached unreached people group in the U.S.
5: Yeah, Tom Brady, and he's yeah, and he's an asshole, yeah,
3: he couldn't possibly be that's
5: yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm always hoping that some linebacker would reach him, you know, each week,
3: but <laughs> <laughs> I think we all pray for that one.
5: <laughs> yeah, those who pray. That's right. Well. Uh, well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I've loved it. I loved having you guys on. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah, our yeah. pleasure for sure. I don't know where right. we went. I'm not sure what what I've said so far. <laughs> thanks for having us.
5: Yeah, it was good. It was good. Definitely, like shine some light on your experiences, you know, in Ethiopia. Ethiopia and the education system there, then also just really this was like growing up with that, you know, missionary experience too. That's been, right. been, you know, and obviously everybody's experience is going to be different. And it's not going to say that you guys' experiences was like anybody else's, even, even, even listen to you guys' stories like through school, like, uh, um, I mean, just growing up in different regions and how, like, uh, um, how, um, how information was brought to you i guess you know right so. yeah love you guys mean it um have a good evening we normally uh start a tradition where we uh you know have the guests pray us out
2: good grandfather prayer for us
3: oh man <laughs> uh heavenly father thank you for this time together thank you that uh we can share our experiences and, and hopefully in, in a sense one more about you and and even learn more about us and who we are to you uh yeah thank you for this time thank you that omar and elizabeth and chris get together and do this and you get to hear different stories and it makes life a lot of of fun um different ideas um yeah thank you god for different experiences thank you that we're not all the same thank you that we come from different places and that we uh we can see your love differently through different scenarios uh be with all of us tonight as we go to bed. Give us the rest we need to prepare for, for the next day, for tomorrow. And uh, bless everybody who is a part of this tonight. And uh, thank you again for your love and for dying on the cross for our sins. And uh, yeah, thank you for your love so much, God. Thank you that you have had a desire to create us and, and keep us around and be a witness for you. So, Jesus'
5: name, amen. Amen. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate that a lot. All right. Well, be well. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Love you guys. Don't
5: eat yellow snow or brown snow cones.
1: Right, well, I'm not even on this episode. It doesn't make any sense. It's not that hard, mate. Just tell people that we're on Facebook and they want to add us on Marco Polo. They can do that. They can chat with us every day. I don't see how that makes sense. Like, oh, this guy's telling us to come talk to him and do all this other stuff, and they don't even know who I am. Why Why am I doing it? Why don't you get like, well, who's fault's that, to do it? Heath? People that listen to this, like, are going to be like, hey, let's, Omar wants to talk. Oh, Chris wants to talk. No one is going to try and talk to me. I do music. They're not going to talk to my guitar, so why am I doing the intro? You need to start pulling your weight. Wait. Wait a minute. Okay. Do you remember that intro song? Like, I'm always doing the intro because I made that song, and then all the other songs you guys haven't used yet, you could be using those, and that could be my input. It could have been, and that's what I'm here for. No one knows who you are. You just, you just, have your you, music just appears. Like, where's it have coming you from? you ever been on an episode? Have you ever been on an episode? I've been on two. That's what I thought. I'm pretty sure I've probably been on more than you now. Yeah, I believe you. I believe every word you say. Just kidding. No, I don't. I don't think you've ever been on one.